millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, this is Simon Brew. I'm the editor of Film Stories magazine. And a very warm welcome to a special episode of the Film Stories podcast. Come with me. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. In movies. Movies that had stories. That the story just sucks them in. This is just the beginning. Stories. We would be honoured if you would join us. Hello and a very warm welcome to Film Stories with Simon Brew. I am Simon Brewer. As always, that's absolutely everything you need to know about me. The aim of the podcast, though, well, it's given away by the title. Uh, I'm here to talk of the stories of film, and I tend to talk about production stories, marketing stories, release stories, distribution stories, all those ingredients that go to make the films that we know and sometimes love. Just that, the films that we know and sometimes love. What you've happened upon here, though, is one of my occasional special episodes of the podcast where I bring in a filmmaker to talk about their body of work. And this is, I think, just the second time I've been able to get a film music composer onto the podcast. I'm hugely thrilled, therefore, to be joined by Michael Giacchino, the Academy Award winning composer of the music to Up, who's currently attracting awards attention again for his score for this year's The Batman. And what you're about to hear is a fairly extensive conversation where we go through a, a bit of his film history, the juggling of projects, and basically his origins of composing coming from the world of video games and TV into feature films. And so a couple of people on name checked. I mean, you don't need to know an awful lot going into this one. Uh, Matt Reeves directed The Batman, which is available now on all sorts of formats, wherever you want to watch it, really. And that and, and it's Giacchino's score for The Batman that's going uh, being put up for all sorts of awards nominations. I mentioned Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast once or twice in this. That's because there was an episode where Brad Bird and Michael Giacchino appeared together on that. Uh, we lost Gilbert Gottfried this year, a tragic loss. And the, the podcast episode where they, they all come together is an absolute delight. And I, I recommend you listen to that rather than this one, really, because it really is absolute podcasting gold. Although, please listen to this one as well. Um, JJ is JJ Abrams. I think his name comes up at one point. Colin is Colin Trevorrow. But other than that, I think you've got enough to crack on with the conversation. So I'm going to set it up with an extract of music from the Batman score and then I'll go straight into my conversation with Michael Giacchino after this.
that was uh, a, a, enough of a mandated clip of a, uh, of Michael Giacchino's music that I'm allowed to use without setting the copyright police on me. And I'm delighted to be joined by, according to the internet, the 84 award-winning uh, composer, Michael Giacchino. 84 oh. awards, is that right? Uh, you know what? I have never counted it. Oh, well, the, <laughs> the internet has counted I try not to focus you. on those things because... <clears throat> I guess so. The internet will do a lot for you. Uh, well, so I've heard, yeah. unfortunately and unfortunately. Um, but I, I, it's one of those things that I, I don't, I try not to focus on those things because I feel like um, the moment that becomes the focus, then you lose sight of what the real work is, you know, yeah, and it's, it's, I, I think so you're overlooking hidden the work. away in a closet I, in the back. <laughs> I think you're overlooking the work of lazy podcasters <laughs> looking for a quick bit of internet trivia to start a conversation with though. <laughs> I mean, surely that's what it, surely that's what that exists. For. I wish I knew the answer to it. It, it, it could be right. It could be wrong. I have no idea. Well, fair, fair, fair <laughs> enough. Um, can I can I just start with your dad, if that's all right? Because uh, one yeah. of the things one of the things sure. that's hugely important uh, with this podcast to me is the the talk of reachability. That film is is to a lot of people a kind of walled garden. Um, and then you see people getting through and getting in there somewhere. I remember you telling the story of uh, your dad uh, let you have a wind-up movie camera when you were eight years yeah. old, and you also yep. talked in your Oscar acceptance speech, uh, one of your 84 uh, Oscars, from what I can work out, um, <laughs> yeah. about the importance of teachers, of parents, of encouragers, and trying to get across the message yes. that these things are not a waste of time. So since, right. since your profile has risen, uh, in the time that I, I mean, you've this spectacular body of work that you've put together. Is that still your absolute core foundation? That it, it, those things still like the, the heart of what you do. Oh, the, these people who fought absolutely. for you and gave you permission to play, for want of a better word. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, without that, I I wouldn't be here, and uh, I carry that with me every day. I think about it every time I work on something. I think about uh, and and in particular because I did have friends whose. Uh, parents were not that encouraging, yeah. whose parents felt that, you know, spending time making a movie or drawing something or pay is, was, was, you know, a waste. You yeah. know, you should be studying your math, study your science, and you'll get into a, a decent job that way, as opposed to, you know, whatever this art thing is that's not going to lead you anywhere. And <clears throat> it's a shame because I think a lot of them went on to, to, to regular sort of careers and jobs. And, and I think that they would have been amazing in a creative field and, you know, uh, and, and uh, they would have loved it and had so much fun. So the idea, and it's not to say that you have to um, discourage someone from being art. It's, I, I just think art is as equal to science and math yeah. and history and everything else. It's, it's, it's all part of a wheel. And if you take one of the spokes off, it's not a wheel anymore. Um, and, and you'll notice, and I'm sure it's the same there, but when schools are in trouble, one of the first things they cut is the arts program. And it's ridiculous yes. because you're yeah. like, what are you doing? Like, that's not disposable. Like it's not just like a, a piece of candy that we're giving as a treat to, to a kid. That's actually part of the foundational uh, foundation of any child's learning, you know, is to understand art and understand music and understand that's all part of it. As big as again, history, science, math, all of those things are equal to each other. There and are why, <laughs> yeah, and why we think it's okay to just allow these schools to rip that thing out of the system, yeah. you know, uh, wholesale without even like, it's not even considered, they just automatically look at it and go, oh yeah, we don't need that. It's a waste. And that's exactly what I'm talking about, like this whole thing, that is not a waste. It's, that's the foundation of humanity. Think about everything that, everything we have 
at our disposal was given to us from people in the past history, yeah. right? It was written down, right? So you have literature, you have paintings, you have all of these things which give us such a, uh, an incredible insight into the past. If, if there was no art in the world, you know, what would we going to do with all of like this? Think about Egypt. If you were like going to study Egypt without the art, what, what is that? Like, uh, it makes no sense, right? You can't do it. So uh, it just gets me very, uh, yeah, very upset I, about I, that. I, and yeah, there's a, there's a small subset, isn't there? You think cancellation of arts and music programs is just like a plot point, in Mr. Holland's opus. And that, and that's yes, yes. You know? Um, yes, exactly. Yep. <clears throat> The, I, I wanted to get that out up front because I know that's a message that comes across in a lot of your interviews. I think it's really, really important. And, and I, I hugely co-sign this. There's something else that you said, because you've uh, you came up through video games. This this is well known. I'm sure you know this as well. Um, but it reminded whenever you tell this story, it reminded me of an animation director I talked to who went off to work at DreamWorks and directed films there. And she told the story of one of her very first jobs was working at, let's just say, an animation studio whose output mirrored Disney in um in, in a polite homage way. Um, right. And and she talked about how the films necessarily didn't have the same kind of scale, didn't have the same um the, the same kind of profile, but it gave her an absolute grounding in doing all of that work that she could try everything and learn schedules. And she she was able to see the entire process. Now, with right. your your background is fascinating, I think. Um, and I listened to a very long Gilbert Gottfried podcast, which was oh. all dust about that. <laughs> he, I, you my, know what? He he was incredible. He was yeah, an incredible it? person. Yeah, he was. Uh, I, 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 you know, I was privileged to be on that show twice. And I just I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it was very complimentary about your Oscar win. I think he said that uh, everyone else should have won but you, which is one of yes, the best. He's intro. Got, yeah, he's got a great way of giving <laughs> yeah. you a compliment. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but what what I, I, what I take from that and when you talk about the work you did in video games, appreciating you were doing it at some profile is, again, this whole feeling of exploration that comes through your that, that comes through your work, that that was the playground in front of you. And no matter the scale or the profile you explore every bit of it and are you taking that into something like the batman can you retain that ethos when it becomes such a behemoth yeah for sure i mean it's that's that's what feeds it the you know the the size of a project really doesn't matter it's it's more your imagination how big can you make it with your imagination you know <clears throat> i think that that's you know something we forget uh i i try to treat every project and put them on the same level with each other so working on batman i gave the same amount of attention and import as i would have given say medal of honor back in the day when i was doing uh medal of honor and uh it was um so so, so to me those are not there's no difference you know yeah. and and they're all the same and they all they all uh deserve to be you know uh have the same attention given to them because if you don't you're you're, you're shortchanging them you're shortchanging it. So Medal of Honor, that easily could have been just a synth score, you know, just, yeah. you know, a cheap synth score. But the subject matter was was so important to me in terms of the historical aspect of World War II and the stories we were trying to tell through this video game. And the only way to really give that resonance and make it feel, make it have weight is, was to use the orchestra, use a big orchestra for that. And uh, thankfully, Steven Spielberg, you know, was producing those games for us. So, and he knew the importance of what an orchestra could bring to the table. You know, of course, having worked with the brilliant yeah. John Williams for so many years, you know, and 
So when we asked for that, he was like, yeah. And, and he was, he was 100% on board and there was no other way we were going to do it, you know? So, um, <clears throat> so I learned from him as well, you know, these, you know, this is a guy who is directing Saving Private Ryan, but also overseeing this video game here for us. He didn't have to put the same amount of care into the video game that he did the movie, but, and yet he did, you know? And so yeah. it was a great lesson, I think, for all of us as well, you know, working on that game and whatever, no matter what it is you're working on, it doesn't matter if it's a TV commercial, if it's a jingle for a radio show, or if it's a, or if it's Batman, like you have to put in the same amount of uh, effort. It doesn't matter. So, so your career you, you based owe, you owe that project that so your career segue i mean if if roger corman for instance had been producing the medal of honor games and you'd been an asking for an orchestra that that would have been a very different career right you'd be sat there with a yes. couple of drums and a triangle yeah no 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 i mean you 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 well look your limitations right that, yeah, yeah, that, can, that can create that can create something new and different that you'd never know that the, the, the thing that you don't do is go okay well i only have ten dollars to do this score so i'm just going to do it on a kazoo it's like no figure out some creative way to make it interesting and different you know that's that's your challenge right so when you're put in a box use yeah. that as a challenge yeah. Well, you you say that uh, you say that your limitations are your thing. I mean, you gave a quote. I'm going to quote Bob Raffleson back at you, if that's all right. Um, uh, sure. Director of what Five Easy Pieces, all sorts of amazing. I'm sure you know all this. This is just for the first of audio. Um, but you were talking when you came into the Batman project about how you had total freedom to do what you wanted on the Batman. Um, and right. I, I appreciating, I can't imagine that's 100% total freedom. Um, one of the conversations I had recently was with Roger Deakins about working with Sam Mendes, because they've just worked on a slightly mm -hmm. smaller film, and they were talking about economy of means, pretty much what you were mm -hmm. just saying just there. And Deakins recalls working with Bob Raffleson, who said the worst thing that you can be told, a producer can ever tell you, is you can do absolutely whatever you want. And he, he yeah. just finds without any kind of boundary at all, he's in, he's in trouble. Um, I'm just wondering yeah. where the line really was on the Batman, because you and Matt Reeves obviously have this amazing working relationship and you have the creative freedom, but also without wishing to sound like the absolute charlatan, there's someone in an office yeah. somewhere in Los Angeles who thinks this is a corporate oh, problem. Clearly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. There's, there's always, there, there's not an unlimited, uh, you know, cash fund there that just keeps. Oh, that'd be you know, amazing if it was. Can you imagine? <laughs> it, 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 but but I I agree with what you said earlier. Like I think that that would be the worst thing for the project to give yeah. you everything. You know, so so when I say total freedom, I'm talking mostly like uh, creatively. What I want to uh, the approach I want to take and where I want to yeah. go with it creatively. You know, within within the confines of our. Uh, budgetary setup, you know, so you, cause you know, all of that going in, you know, yeah. I, I know how much money I have to spend on musicians and, and studios and mixing and all of those things. <clears throat> and I take that really seriously. Yeah. Very seriously. Like I, I want to make sure that we're always as efficient and uh, thoughtful as possible with yeah. that money, because I think that's not my money, you know, like that's, <laughs> I know it's there and I know it's there for me to use, but it's not mine. And they're relying on me to be responsible with that money. And, and I have seen many times over the years, people who were not responsible with that money. And it's really not fair because they're giving you a job. You're agreeing to this job. Just do it at the best of your ability. And, you know, don't think that, oh, believe me, I have seen, heard people say, what do you care? It's not your money. And I'm like, well, no, not technically, but I am the one watching over it. So, yeah. uh, and I take that very seriously. So, 
So yeah, I think that that's, but again, and that's how you define what your box is, right? That's yeah. what you define your box and that you're going to play in and you understand your limitations and you, you go forth from there. So, uh, but within that, once you understand that creatively, I mean, it's up to you, like the, all bets are off. You can go wherever you, you, you want, as long as you can kind of do it within that box. But also you were saying <clears throat> just before about when you're, you, you give every project the same. So if I, if I yes. managed to, if, if I was making like a 10 pound uh, film in my back garden, somehow managed to hire you to do the score for it. Yeah. And you were doing the Batman at the same time, for instance, um, you will be giving yeah. exactly the same amount of headspace and mental energy yeah. and putting the same 100%, 100%, boundaries on both. Oh, what time do you get ran? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even 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 like Batman, the scale of Batman yeah. is so much different than the scale of something like Jojo Rabbit or, yeah. you know, a, a smaller thing like that. Or even say one of the shorts I directed for Star Trek. Um, yes. That was it's even less, you know, so so but you put the same thing into each one. You put the same creative energy into each one, you know, and with, with the understanding that you have boundaries. Now, sometimes what I'll do on a project, I'll be like, <clears throat> you know, I know that they don't have a lot of money for something. So it's fine. I'll say, okay, well, I'll just take half of what you're going to pay me and put that into the production of the music too, just to help get that, you know, yeah. beef that up a bit so it could be better, you know? So, so you, you also have the option to do that if you want to, you know, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, I recognize that I'm in a position where I can do that easier than other people. Um, but I know, I know growing up a lot of times when I was uh, starting out in video games, I would take some of the money that was for my fee and put it into the orchestra just so I could get two more French horns or, or whatever it was, yeah. you know, but that was my choice to do that. It was my choice to do that. And that, that was, uh, you know, something I felt was right for the project. So I would do it. So that bit when you're in the room recording the score, I've only had the privilege of sitting in the recording of a score once. And I was sat next to Theodore oh. Shapiro. And oh, Teddy's great. I love Teddy. Well, incredible. And but it was it was the things that he was hearing that I just couldn't get at all. And so you talk there about I mean, a throwaway comment, perhaps of two French horns or something like that. Yeah. But when you're recording a score and you've got what I don't know how many musicians you had on the score for the Batman, uh, but I would imagine. I guess like, I don't know, 86 or something. But that's like that. fairly big by movie score. Bit, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. if if like number 84 is out, you know, just to uh -huh. a heathen like me on the outside, that instantly triggers an alarm in your head. You you get that. Oh, yeah, you'll hear it. Yeah, you can hear it. And that's your job is to listen for those things yeah. and go up. Oh, I felt like somebody over here was not quite on board with everyone else. And you just do another take. And sometimes, you know, there'll be the, sometimes you don't hear it and suddenly someone will speak up and go, um, can we do that one again? Because I actually got the wrong note. And you're like, you did? And then you go back and listen to it and you're like, oh yeah, I guess you did. Yep, let's do it again, <laughs> you know? So, so it's so like, they're all, they all want to do this. They, they all want to be, they all want it to be as best as it can be. So it sounds, you're all it working might, it, together towards that goal. It might sound like a mildly <laughs> churlish question, but it is a genuine one. So when you sat and watched Whiplash, because I've got no doubt that you've watched Whiplash, right? Yes. And, and J.K. Simmons is picking up like stuff that we can't hear. Are you, are you yeah. the person in the audience sitting there going, the only person in the audience going, yeah, I can hear what he means there. Uh, and that's or, or a complicated question because that movie I thought, you know, was about abuse. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And, I would, and, uh, yes. and, that, and that is not how I approach this, you know, Sorry, like we let, have let, a lot for, of fun for, in our for, recording to, sessions, to, but to I be think, clear, I am not accusing you. I understand what you're saying. No, no, no. I understand. I understand completely what you're saying. It's, gone very yes, wrong. it's either going to be me 
It could be the conductor. It could be the orchestrator. It could be uh, someone sitting in the booth with us. You know, I mean, they really could come from anywhere. And the point is to really just listen to the people that you have around you, you know, because you're paying attention to so much, so much is going on. So you kind of work as a team in there and do it. Um, I, I, there are people that are ultra detailed as, as like what you're describing in whiplash is almost a, it's almost a detriment to, to, to what is what you're trying to do, because you can then just sit there over and over and over and over doing this same thing. And by the end of the day, you've recorded maybe 30 seconds of music. Whereas by the end of one of our days, we'll have gotten almost 30 minutes of music, you know? Um, So that's what we're always trying to do is be efficient, come in knowing what you want. That's the other thing. Know what you want, make decisions. Yes. Make decisions, trust your decisions and go for it. And if something goes wrong, you can fix it later, but just come in with a plan. Don't come yeah. in without a plan, you know, because that's the worst thing you can do. You'll never finish. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So that's all of my questions accusing you of being a, a terrible human being. For which no, I, I know you weren't know. accusing me. I know you. I know you weren't accusing me of being, being that. I know. <laughs> no, that. no, I know. I know. But I, when I talk about that movie, it gives me like, oh my god, I couldn't even imagine that. That you know, because and that's real though. There are a lot of. I'm sure musicians that I'm come sure. up in conservatories and work with people that are like that. And, and many of them end up leaving music altogether because it's not about the joy of. Yeah. Playing. Yeah. It's yeah. About, completely. You know, but let, I mean, let me, let, me, let, me, okay, let me put it, well. let me put it a slightly different way. I, I've spoken to a couple of, uh, of directors of comedy films and I've asked them about the editing of, because they're absolutely insistent. I see this in Brad Bird's work, actually absolutely insistent. Mm, yeah. Take one frame out of 24. It makes complete difference to a joke. It can completely change yeah. just a yeah, moment. Absolutely. And so you take one note out of a, out of a music, same thing. Oh, tell yeah. me about that. Because it's the same again, thing. You take one note. Well, here, here's a story for you that Brad and I, when I got hired on The Incredibles, he, um, it was my first big movie, my first yeah. theatrical film. 
and it was working for Pixar. So that was a big deal. And, uh, and when he hired me, he said, you know, this is going to be the hardest job you've ever had. And I was like, that's fine. That's I'm ready for that. And he goes, no, what, what I mean is your music could ruin my movie completely. Yeah. I, I, like, I heard what? that and on he the Gottfried like, podcast. Incredible. Yeah. And he said, what I mean is if you and I aren't hand in hand, the entire way telling the exact same story that needs to be told, the audience is going to start thinking things we don't want them to think. It's going to yeah. start, uh, you know, feeling stuff we don't want them to feel. And so we got to make sure that story is on point. And that story, music is like a huge, it's like a, it's a weapon. It can destroy a movie in the easiest way. It's probably yeah. one of the easiest ways to kill your movie is to, to have bad music or, or, you know, not pay attention to what's happening in the film. So, uh, so, I never forgot that. That was a, a great discussion to have. And, 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 and it's so true. I can make one small little change and it can change the entire feeling of a scene. Yeah. It's just a tiny little change, you know? So, so subtle subtlety is important, uh, you know, and uh, it's, it's as true for that as it is for editing. Yeah. So the, the podcast that you're on, I, I, I generally, if I've not got a guest, I'll go into the story of a film and I'll look at how it was put together, the pre, the during, the post-production. And I've lost count over the episodes I've done of the number of episodes where the composers had to come in with like three, four weeks left um, and, yeah. fill, and fill a gap. Uh, effectively yeah. that that almost sounds like i mean I, I look at what james horner did on aliens i love james horner's work and how he managed yeah. to turn that around in double quick time ju just beggars belief um and one of the things that we've not talked about in the way that you approach your scores because i think with the batman and you feel the benefit of it is is you were in early on this oh yeah yeah really and, early and, and a lot of times i am because the people i work with are people i've done things with over and over again these are you know long time yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, working relationships um, so it is nice. And even if you're not writing anything, if you're in early enough to start thinking about it yeah. and getting a sense of what it is they're making, that is an enormous help as well. You know, so I'm not, uh, you know, it's, it's rare that I get to write and record something that early for a film. Um, I did it on Jupiter Ascending. <clears throat> I actually wrote the entire score almost before they shot the movie, you know, oh, wow. okay. I, so I wrote the score that was going to be the score for the movie. So uh, they didn't want me to score the movie traditionally. They were like, why don't you just write the music that you think is going to be in this movie? You know, so we broke down all the scenes and I just wrote music and that's what they edited the movie to. And I would say in the end, 75% of what I did stayed in the film. And then we realized, okay, there's scenes that we didn't account for and things we weren't thinking. So I, about 25%, I went back and scored traditionally. Yeah. But, you know, a big chunk of it, ended up working out, you know, and it was really interesting uh, to do it that way. And that way they could bring the music to the set. They could play it for the actors. It was uh, very helpful in that, in that regard. So that was an interesting thing. So, but it's rare. That's, that's a very rare thing that you get to do. But would you take the job if it comes in and you've got three weeks to do it? Is that, is that something that you would actually, because you've talked about fun. Fun is a word that's come up a few times. And oh yeah. It depends that on the film. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. No, well, it depends on the movie. You know, like they came to me with Rogue One and they said, uh, we only have four and a half weeks before Good you have to be finished with this. And yeah, but you're not, you're, the, like, the nerd in you is not turning that down, right? No, no, not at all. I mean, I was a huge Star Wars fan yeah. as a kid and I'm like, of course I'm doing this. Okay. I don't, it's fine. I'll make it work. Look, I, I, I have done so many episodes of, of television over the years that it trains you to work fast 
and to trust your instincts, you know? Yeah. So when you're doing 24 episodes of Lost, along <laughs> with 24 episodes of Alias, along with writing The Incredibles at the same time, like <clears throat> you learn to move quick. <laughs> you learn to make decisions. And that's what it's really all about is making decisions. And, you know, art, art is about making decisions one thing at a time, whether it's a brushstroke or a letter or, 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 or anything else, or, you know, yeah. um, you're, you're, you're making those decisions and you can either think about those things over and over and over and plod along or take your best guess and move on. And, and I got really good at taking my best guess and moving on uh, during those years, early years working in video yeah. games and TV. <clears throat> so that, that definitely didn't hurt to have that experience going <laughs> in. So I had the confidence knowing that I, I, I knew I could do it. Uh, I knew it would be hard, uh, yeah. and especially because it's Star Wars. You, you, you want it to be good and you want to, you know, but you also want to deliver something new for the audience as well. I, I wasn't just going to repeat what had been done before yeah. just because it exists. You know, I felt like the best of those movies always brought you something new. Yeah. And so yeah. I thought it was in, important for us to do that as well. So uh, you know, so it was, yes, it was a huge challenge, but every day I would look up and I'd see stormtroopers running around on the screen. It'd be great. I was like, this is great. I'm working on Star Wars. Come on. This is fantastic. When, when the fight, I don't know if you know this, when the final episode of Lost was broadcast in the UK, uh, the continuity announcer threw you all like a, a really nice curveball by uh, announcing to viewers just before it started, how many hours they'd spent watching the show to go to this point. That was how oh. they introduced the show. It's just like you've that's spent like a hundred or something hours. So yeah. I, I mean that that's I, I mean I remember the soundtracks. I remember CDs. I still buy them. Yeah. I, I remember the CDs of your score coming out and the difference from season to season in the score. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that you know I think all told, uh, there's about I wrote about fifty one hours Good of music for Lost. Uh, when you add it all up, I think it came out to about fifty one hours. <laughs> so you should just do that in a charity concert. Just all start to finish. Oh my no, God. You know, Can one you of your Royal Albert Hall gigs, you should do yes, that. that. Yeah, 51 hour concert Perfect. at the Royal Albert Hall. Sounds great. <laughs> see, see one, of, one of my favorite weeks, I mean, I, I, I was heavily into movie scores growing up as a young nerd. And, and the week that John Williams released both Nixon and Sabrina in the same week was like for yeah. some people, the Rolling Stones releasing two albums in the same yeah. week. But you came close to that with um, one of my favorite scores of recent years, War for the Planet of the Apes, which I just think is, is just extraordinary. That's oh, thank you. utterly on rotation for me. And Spider-Man at uh, pretty much at the same time. Um, yeah. And you hit, and you hit, uh, they were at the same, the, the, the CDs were at, so CDs, listen to me, what an old fart yeah. I am. Uh, but they they being out the same month. But you talked around that time of your working process of how you broke up some of these jobs. Because, no, I, I mean, we're here talking about the Batman primarily. You'd never guess by half my questions. But you yeah. had three or four other films going on uh, at roughly the same time. And yes, do you, do, yes. I mean, do you break this up into blocks of time? That Because you've talked about your working day and you're very strict about that so that yes. you, you stop at a certain point. But oh yeah, I, you, I'm a definite believer in the nine to five thing, and yeah. uh, you know, and it forces you just to sit down, and focus. You know, yeah. and I, you know, everyone has their own way to, of doing it. Some people love working late into the night and all that. That's not me, but <clears throat> I think you know what I try to do is order them. So if it's possible, I try to go. Okay, this is this this block of time I'm writing Batman, and that's yeah. what I'm doing, and then I'll jump on to Spider Man. 
and then I'll jump back and catch up with anything we need to fix or change or adjust for Batman. And then I'll jump ahead again to Thor, you know, so you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, but the calendar is set up to trying as best as possible, have give each project its own time. So, um, you know, I have, knowing that I can write quickly and, and adapt quickly, I can, I can do that. Um, you know, Batman, maybe, you know, if I have four weeks, I can do it. Yeah. I'd love eight weeks. That would be amazing. But, you know, it wasn't in the cards for me this year uh, with yeah. all of those movies being sort of lined up like uh, 747s on a runway, <laughs> uh, you know, and you just got to, you got to service all of them. You got to make sure they, they're each, they're each, you know, airworthy. Uh, so the time has to, and I'm not, I don't have like a factory. So I don't have a bunch of people working for me, writing music. It's yeah. me, yeah. you know, um, and occasionally uh, I will work with someone uh, like on Thor. Thor, yeah. that schedule got pushed right into my shooting schedule for Werewolf by Night. So um, that one I did need help on. So I wrote about half of that score and then brought in um, uh, my friend Nami, who's an incredible composer. She is working on Star Trek Prodigy and Strange yeah. New Worlds. Yeah. She's fantastic. <clears throat> so she came in and, and, and took up the slack for me on that so I could go and direct. Uh, but again, ha half of that had been written already. And she and she's so great at just sort of like picking up the pieces, knowing what the themes are and running with them, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that was OK. So when it does, you know, when, when, when it does all feel like it's kind of burned to the ground, there's, you can always, you know, there's always help if you need it. But for the most part, it's just me sitting here doing it. So it just that, you got to be. I, I mean, ordered. I have to check. Is that a Kermit the Frog in the corner of your office hiding there as yes. well? Perfect. Yes, Perfect. Mine, yep. Mine's over there. Uh, you, should <laughs> never be, you should never be without a Kermit. So I, oh, I think we've got time just for one or two, if that, one or two more questions, if that's all right. Sure. Because uh, I, I mean, all but, I, I mean, I'm sure if Gilbert Gottfried was still here, he'd be wishing you the worst of luck pushing the Batman yes. into into <laughs> award season yes. um so obviously I, I I wish you the very best of luck with that Thank um, you. I Thank don't you. have anywhere near his his hotspot I'm afraid um, <laughs> however I do wonder because I find it always interesting to talk to people like five six months after the film has come out if they get any sense of how their work has soaked in a little bit because you you did interviews around the time of the release then you've had to go off for, I mean you've made a film you've been directing you I'm sure yeah. you know all of this um but now you're back talking about this project that was in your life for a while and now disappeared and now it's back. And I just wonder how you reflect on something like that and if you get a sense of the audience response to it. Well, I mean, yes, through the internet, you definitely get a, you get a response. You get, both, <laughs> well, okay. you get the good and the bad, you know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, it's unavoidable in some way. But, but I, I think people have, for the most part, embraced that movie and seem to, you know, when it starts showing up on TikTok videos that my kids are sending me, yeah. seeing, you know, with Batman music and all of that, you're like, oh, I guess, okay, I guess that went well, you know. Uh, but for the most part, I'm usually focused on whatever is next. You know, by the time, you know, it comes to do, you know, go, oh, yeah, I got to go out and talk about Batman or something. Okay, when was that? That felt like such a long <laughs> time ago already, you know. I thought we, we were done with that, but I guess not. So, uh you tend to just, um, I'm not someone who really looks back that much. I'd rather look forward. You but do, know, you, I feel but like... do you allow yourself to enjoy when something goes right? Yeah, of course. It's always nice when something goes right. Yeah. And it's great that, you know, and what you remember is, oh yeah, this is important to people. Like th yeah. this means something to people. And, and as it did to me when I was a kid, movies meant everything to me, Yeah, you know? And, and, and I never thought of it in terms of the people 
making them and how they felt about it. It was more just like yeah. it was something I I just craved so much. And I was so appreciative that people were out in the world making these things, you know, and 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 that I was able to watch them. So I do remember that. It does remind me of that feeling as a kid. And I I so I take it very seriously because I know that what I'm doing is going to mean something to somebody. Yeah, I've, you know, I've heard people humming your tunes down the, your work down the street. Yeah, so and you'll never hear half of it, but yeah. Yeah, but that and that's amazing. That's really yeah. incredible. Like walking down, being at Disneyland and hearing the music from up on Main yeah, Street, yeah. like you're like, what world am I in? This is so strange. It, it, but it is wonderful to, to see that. And it feels good to have contributed something uh, that's going to live on long after you're gone. You know, yeah, I, I, I do wonder. I mean, I have to use a British time machine reference just because we're I mean, if I jumped in a TARDIS, went back to the version of you in your teens and just yeah. relayed that little like minute of the conversation there. Where you say, oh, I was doing Batman there and then Spider-Man then <laughs> had to go off. My friend was on Star Trek. Presumably this is just like yes. the dream. Yes, I think my 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 10 year old brain would not be able to comprehend that would be like, wait, what? <laughs> so so can I can I ask you then um, to take I mean, from the perspective you're in now on the off chance that there's either someone listening here who's 10, who's got those thoughts in their head or perhaps perhaps even more importantly, the 40 year old who's not been picked up by the education system, who's not found that person. Is there something you'd say to them if they've got this spark in their head about just trying to externalize it? I would say just keep making things, keep yeah. making things. It doesn't matter what level you're doing it on, but 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 satisfy your creative urge, satisfy satisfy that creative need. You know, don't ignore it or suppress it. Do something with it, you know, uh, because if you really think about it, there's a ton of things you can do with it in your own, whether it's in your community, whether yeah. it's helping out with the schools around you, whether it's it, there's there's many ways to be creative and 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 get that outlet. For yourself so you know if you are a creative person be creative in how you go look for those things you know uh think about the different ways that you can kind of uh release whatever it is you're inside of you whether it's if you're a musician and you just want to play you could go play start by playing at um assisted living homes you know yeah. you, if you want to play for you know there's all different ways and then you never know where that's going to lead you you just never know yeah um if you want to write music write music just write it and 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 the internet is such an amazing resource people all over the world need music for things and there's different communities that you can tie yourself into to become part of that so look for those communities look for those things you know there's a million opportunities around you but you got to put yourself in the middle of it it's not going to come to you you have to go to it brilliant brilliant so i i'm going to wrap up by uh not passing on uh gilbert gottfried's good luck i think i need to reiterate that god bless that man um i mean it, it was just perfect uh, if no one's heard that no. podcast dig it out for the best intro that i could never oh, possibly man. match um, also appreciating that we need to get the word of speed racer out more into the world. My final question to you is, is this though, um, is there a film score that growing up you were playing a lot that nobody else was that sort of has flown under the radar that we can put a bit of light on. Mine was Robert Folk's toy soldiers score, the 1991 movie where Sean Astin takes over, uh, defeats oh, yeah. terrorists in a yeah, high yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. And the score for that is really good, really good to write to is the one that you could recommend that perhaps isn't on hard rotation. So that knocks out everything Morricone and Williams for a start. Yes, it does. It knocks yeah. out You're all You're not allowed those, that's but, cheating. But um, Maurice Jarre, you know, Maurice Jarre, he, he did a, a, a score called from, For the Mosquito Coast. Yes, and it's on a double disc with Dead Poets yeah. Society. You can't get the whole score, can you? Yes, I know. Yeah. It's very difficult to find, but that is what, oh, that has, oh, and it's a fully synth score. It's all synth. 
but I, I remember I had uh, I had a double CD that had that and Witness. I think, That's right. I think now they put all three of them on the same one now, I think. Yes. So I loved that score so much. And I used to walk around New York City listening to that thing uh, back in college. And I, I just loved it. I thought that's one of my, you know, and I still to this day will throw it on as well. Uh, but certainly not when you're thinking of film scores, it's not up in the first, you know, top 10, 20, 30, maybe even 40 scores that you think of. But for me, I, I loved it, you well, know. Michael Giacchino, horribly overrun. Thank you so much for your time and good luck with your latest award run. And I, I, I hope we chat again and you'll have more than 84 on that page for me to recite back to you. Sounds great. Take Sounds care. Great, Thank great you. talking to you. Take Thank care. You. Have a Take great care. day. Bye-bye. And that brings to an end my conversation with Michael Giacchino. You can purchase the score to The Batman uh, from wherever you purchase movie scores from. That's available now. Uh, also, The Batman is available uh, on demand and on DVD, Blu-ray and 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray as well if you want to catch up with that particular movie. That brings us to the end of this particular podcast, though. As always, thank you for listening and thank you for your time. If I've not bored you completely, you can find more from me on Twitter at Simon Brew. You can find more from the entire Film Stories project at Film Stories Pod. And you can find our website, filmstories.co.uk and store.filmstories.co.uk. Uh, each of those, well, at the first, you'll find an uh, uh, updated movie news site, uh, updated every weekday with movie news, <laughs> features, reviews. And the latter is our shop where you can buy our physical print magazine magazines remember those we've got film stories magazine and film junior magazine as well but for now i'm going to leave you in peace i'm going to thank you as always for listening thank you for your time i'll be back soon with your regular episode of film stories you all look after yourselves bye-bye When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW.